Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome to the Alex Kennedy Podcast, which is brought to you by BasketballNews.com. The NBA trade deadline is Thursday at 3 p.m. Eastern time. There's plenty of rumors out there, and to help me make sense of it all, I am joined by Hoops Hype's Michael Scotto. We're going to break down all of the notable players that could be on the move and which teams you should be keeping an eye on. Michael, thanks for joining me. How are you? Oh, my pleasure, Alex. Thanks for having me on. I appreciate it. You've been doing fantastic work recently. I want to shout you out and, and the great work you've been doing over at Hoopsite. Uh, not only breaking news, but some fantastic interviews recently. Uh, it's been an awesome uh, couple of months for you. Like the Michael Beasley story, I just got to praise the work you're doing, man, because it's fantastic. And if anyone's not following you on Twitter at Mike A. Scotty, they absolutely should be. Uh, so just want to get out, out of the way first. Uh, I've been very impressed with your work recently. Um, and I mean, you've been breaking a lot of news too, as far as what's going to happen with the trade deadline coming up here. So I figured you're the perfect person to bring on to kind of talk about all the notable players and teams around the league right now that have come up in recent rumors. So I want to start with some general questions about the the trade deadline, and then we'll kind of get into some specific situations. Starting off, which teams have been the most active in terms of trade talks based on what you're hearing? Well, first off, thanks, Alex. I appreciate the kind words. I would say in terms of being active, I think you got to look as much at the sellers on the market as anything. So for me, um, Indiana, I would say, is certainly a team that is, you know, looking to see what they can get for Miles Turner and DeMontis Sabonis. Uh, you know, the Caris LeVert trade was pretty much on par with what they were hoping to get in an expiring contract, a first round pick. If they could have gotten another first round pick, that would have been great, but they get two seconds in the NBA world that kind of equates. Um, I think also when you're looking at uh, in the Western Conference, I would say Houston with Eric Gordon, uh, Daniel Tice, I think, uh, is a team to keep an eye on. Also, I would say uh, I, I think it's almost like this every year, but the Sacramento Kings certainly need to be mentioned as a team uh, that's active more, of course, from the seller side. Um, you know, pretty much that whole team is uh, available. Um, I know that there's been some talks about, you know, whether De'Aaron Fox and Tyrese Halliburton are, are available or not. But ultimately, if the right guy came along, they'd certainly listen. Um, other than that, I would say the Pelicans, I also think, are active. I had reported on Hoops Hype about them being a team that's looking to be a buyer. Um, they've got plenty of tradable assets in, in the contract to Josh Hart. They've got picks. Um, they also have Nikhil Alexander-Walker and Jackson Hayes as some young guys that could intrigue some teams. And just going back to the East, I would say um, Toronto's been active um, in terms of trying to upgrade their team. Uh, I think also you would have to look at um, the Wizards, certainly, because 
Bradley Beal has kind of made it known that he would like to get some help around them. And I think that certainly when they're looking at guys like DeMontis Sabonis and Jeremy Grant, that is to appease him as he's becoming a free agent. It's interesting now that, uh, you know, he hasn't been named an all-star, but uh, still a guy that obviously is going to be coveted on the free agent market this year and is going to earn a pretty penny. So that's a, that's a very broad scope of the trade market so far. It feels like there's a lot of buyers and not a ton of sellers and of the sellers, there's not a ton of big name players or, you know, key players that could be available. Like, you know, it seems like, um, and that's, I know Mark Stein earlier tweeted something about, you know, that's one of the reasons why they were able to get so much for Karis LeVert in Indiana, because there's so few sellers and notable players that are kind of available, which is interesting. So I do want to ask you, uh, before we get into some specific situations, who do you think is the biggest name that gets traded? You know, it's funny. Earlier, I've done other pods, and I thought that Karis LeVert would be um, the main guy that gets moved. I think now you have to look at Indiana if if one of the two bigs is going to get moved, Miles Turner or DeMontis Sabonis. Um, you know, we kind of saw this last year with the Orlando Magic where they make one trade and then, you know, kind of ears raises up around the league like a German Shepherd. Um, and I think for Indiana, that's they're in an interesting place there. I do think, you know, you could see one of those two guys getting moved. Um, as far as the biggest name, I think, I think ultimately that's who you got to go with. I don't think if like Sacramento moved any of their guys that that would be considered, um, as big of a name Portland with CJ McCollum. I think certainly they're getting, um, you know, palpable interest there around him. I just don't know if they have to move him yet. They could wait until um, the offseason as they continue to figure out um, what they're going to reshape that roster like around Damian Lillard. But uh, I think when you're talking about big names, just scrolling through my notes, looking, I, I would say that those are most likely the, the, the biggest names in terms of realistic targets, unless somebody kind of comes out of the water here. But um I, I would say those guys right now, Alex. Yeah, those were the three players that I had written down here in my notes too, just as far as, you know, all the rumors that we're hearing. I think CJ was someone that hadn't really been talked about a whole lot. I mean, there were trade rumors earlier in the year, but as far as like a possibility uh, of being moved before the deadline until like last week, and now he's come up a few times. I know the Pelicans apparently have shown interest in him. There've been a few teams that have been linked to him, but like you said, there's really no rush to to make a trade, but I like the Orlando com comparison because Indiana and Portland have both made trades already. They were both, you know, trades that s signify a rebuild. They're moving off veteran players. So uh, yeah, I think if you're other teams, I'm sure they're kind of circling like vultures right now, trying to get Sabonis, Turner, McCollum. So those are teams that are interesting to me. And then you mentioned Sacramento. What do you make of this De'Aaron Fox situation? Because at first we heard the athletic report that they want to build around Fox and, and they like the idea of having Fox and Halliburton moving forward. Mark Stein yesterday wrote, or two days ago, wrote that uh, other teams aren't buying that. They think that Fox is available and that he could be moved before the deadline. Uh, I think the Kings are so interesting because they do have Fox, Rashawn Holmes, Harrison Barnes, Buddy Heald, Marvin Bagley. I mean, a lot of players that could be on the move. But when you look at the Fox situation, uh, do you think he could be moved potentially? Or is that just kind of uh, other teams hoping that he could be available? I think, first of all, for any team, like like for Sacramento to say that De'Aaron Fox is just not available, I, I don't buy it, quite frankly. And I know a lot of other executives don't either. They're not good enough for that to be the case, quite frankly. 
Um, and they have, you know, Davion Mitchell, Tyrese Halliburton. You could theoretically move Fox and, and replace him in the starting lineup with those young guys. You know, Fox is on a pretty high contract. Um, I think that certainly it would take a certain caliber of, of a return for him. You know, they're not just going to give him away. But, for example, if Philadelphia was more inclined to take the Aaron Fox in a Ben Simmons trade, I don't think we'd be even having this conversation, quite frankly. I think they would have did that in a second. Um, if we're being blunt. So, you know, uh, and, and you touch on the other guys like Harrison Barnes or Sean Holmes. Those are nice, you know, role players the team can add. But like Fox obviously would be the big name, quote unquote, bigger fish there. And, you know, I will say one other thing, you know, you were asking me before about guys that maybe could get moved a big name and who was selling and buying as, as far as a team that's active. You know, Jeremy Grant, it's, it's like he was kind of the hot name for a while and that's kind of cooled off a little bit. I think, I think some teams are a little concerned about having to pay him like the money that he's reportedly seeking, you know, close to like, a, you know, $30 million a year in an extension. I think that's, it's been interesting to see how that market has kind of shifted a little bit on the, on the trade side and, and with Detroit originally trying to get something around two first round picks um, or the equivalent of that, whether it's a first round pick and a nice young player and a deal for him. Um, so I think that's also a situation worth monitoring as well over the next few days. Yeah, it's interesting because last year Grant was popping up in rumors too. And then they basically just decided, hey, none of these offers are good enough. So we're going to hold on to them. And then sure enough, last offseason, more rumors pop up and, and we continue to see that. But it does sound more and more like they could just push this thing back another year again and say we're either going to keep him uh, and continue to try to build around him or push this decision off to the offseason or next year's trade deadline to make a move. They really seem like they're in no rush, uh, especially I, I know there's a report, I think, a week ago from The Athletic that they actually haven't received any offers yet. They've had a lot of conversations, but there's no official offers for Grant, apparently. That was like as of a week ago, which is interesting to me. So I'm curious, you know, do you think we're going to see Grant stay in Detroit past the deadline? I mean, obviously anything can happen. It's possible one of these teams increase their offer uh, to meet the asking price. But do you think he'll stay in Detroit? It seems like it's trending more towards Jeremy Grant uh, staying in Detroit right now, which kind of surprises me because... To me, he's an older guy. You know, I think of like when the Brooklyn Nets were rebuilding and they moved off guys that were in their late 20s, like Thaddeus Young, Boyan Bogdanovich. And you would think Detroit would do the same thing um, with a guy like Jeremy Grant. Nice player. You know, he's been, you know, a guy that's been a go-to guy for them, but they're a bad team. And I think that you should sell off that asset. You know, you got him in, in free agency. And if you could flip him for multiple picks, you know, I think you should certainly do that. And, and there was all talk last year about, I, I forget for sure, but it might've been Boston last year. They were like, Oh, did they make a King's ransom offer or multiple picks or something? It's like, well, if you had that on the table, you should have did that quite frankly. Um, you know, so I always wonder sometimes the the truth in that stuff. But for me, I, I think right now it's trending surprisingly that he, he stays, you know, we certainly have days before the trade deadline, anything can change, but Interesting to me. You mentioned Ben Simmons briefly, and I feel like uh, people are kind of sticking to Ben Simmons talk. It's happened, you know, for months now. We've been talking about a possible trade and uh, the whole situation. It's just, it's been going on for a long time. But I mean, based on what's coming out of Philly and what Daryl Moria said publicly, he could see this thing stretching out for another year or two, even if it, if that's what it takes to get the right offer. Who knows if he's just saying that? Uh, apparently, Sacramento backed out and they're not willing to uh, negotiate anymore. That could be them just trying to, you know, get some leverage. You always hear that kind of stuff. 
Um, I mean, we've also heard Brooklyn now as a you know possible James Harden type thing, which I I know Steve Nash came out today and said that there's no truth to that. They're not going to trade James Harden. But what do you make of this Ben Simmons situation? And what are some teams? I know like Toronto and Atlanta have even come up as possible destinations that could make sense. What are yeah, some teams yeah. to watch in the Simmons sweepstakes? And what do you think is going to happen with this whole thing? That's all well and good about any other team being in the Ben Simmons trade sweepstakes beside the Brooklyn Nets. But the bottom line, Alex, is that Daryl Morey has um, James, James Harden has been the apple of Daryl Morey's eyes for years um, since he left Houston and went to Philadelphia. And so they did try to trade for him when he was leaving Philadelphia. They didn't get done then. Now, uh, a couple of things when I look at the situation for Philadelphia, they absolutely are going to want to try to get a deal done for James Harden before the deadline. Uh, because if you have to do a sign and trade for him after the season, you're going to get hard capped. They don't want that. And also, if you wait till the offseason, Tobias Harris would have to be pretty much off your books somehow, and you have to sell off him to sign him outright as a free agent. They don't have the cap space to do that. So you have to work with Brooklyn. And you know that Sean Marks is going to try to milk Daryl Morey like a cow to get uh, as many assets as he can back if uh, it came to that doomsday scenario for the Nets, which, you know, they went into that big three thinking that they could be a title contender for years to come. Kevin Durant has publicly said, uh, or maybe it's through a report, excuse me. But, you know, Durant certainly wants like James Harden here. Let's not get it twisted. Yeah. Um, you know, and I, and I think a lot of it, you know, has come down obviously to a frustration with um, Kyrie not being able to play in home games. Um, but when those three are healthy, you know, the, the frustrating thing is it's only been 16 games. Um, I'm That's curious- crazy, by the way. It's it's really uh, disheartening as an NBA fan. Like, you know, like the Warriors, you think of the years they had the dynasty and, and how many years they were together. And I said this last year privately to people. When they didn't win last year and they didn't beat the Bucs, um, and Kyrie, you know, landed on Giannis's foot and then Harden had the hamstring injuries. You know, I, everybody always talked about, oh, they'll be back. Back And, you know, I, I never buy that. You can never take a dynasty for granted. Look what happened with Oklahoma. And, and Durant should know that. Look what happened in Oklahoma City with Harden and Russell Westbrook and Serge Ibaka. That didn't live up to expectations. And one day I'm sure there's going to be a documentary on that. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, for me, with, with Ben Simmons, if I'm Daryl Moore and I even have a sense of a, 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 any shot, you know, that James Harden is – a possibility I'm holding out and waiting. Cause that's the guy he's been longing for since he got there. So do you think there's any, I, I agree with you. It makes way more sense to try to acquire Harden now than have to wait. Do you think there's any chance that Brooklyn makes a Harden deal before a deadline, despite what Steve Nash said? I don't see Brooklyn trading James Harden unless behind the scenes, James, Har- James Harden goes to ownership and management and says, I want out. Yeah. And by all accounts that has not happened. So I don't think with that in mind, he will be moved unless that changes. Yeah. Yeah. You never know. Uh, one player that's come up recently uh, is John Collins. He's another you know star level player that has been mentioned, but I believe uh, one of the latest reports from Mark Stein is that it's trending toward him staying in Atlanta past the deadline. Uh, they might still look to move him in the off season, but um, it seems like he'll be staying with the Hawks, but what do you make of that Colin situation and kind of what, what's happened as far as that relationship? And, uh, when you look at Atlanta, you know, obviously they make the Cam Reddish trade. I know you had a report about, uh, Danilo Gallinari drawing some interest from teams. What do you make of this Atlanta team and kind of what they could be looking to do at the deadline? 
Well, I think for Atlanta, first off, they've certainly uh, been hot of late as a team. I think this is the Atlanta Hawks team that we thought we were going to see coming into the year. So that's kind of quelled a little bit of the trade talk there. You know, Cam Reddish was a guy that, um, you know, they wanted to get, they got a first round pick for, um, they were fine with moving him. There was a log jam at that position. Uh, you know, when it comes to Gallinari, I think it comes down to whether they have the appetite for keeping him uh, next season and, and paying him what he's owed. You know, eventually the biggest thing for the Hawks is uh, luxury tax implications. Uh, they've got to pay DeAndre Hunter eventually on an extension. And I, I think they're looking a little towards the future. You know, Onyeko Okongwu has been good there. Um, so I think that they view him as a nice, younger, cheaper option. Um, that they can build with for the future. When it comes to John Collins, I never bought a ton of the trade talk with John Collins unless it was for a marquee star. You know, Ben Simmons, that I could have seen in some regards because he's uh, an all-star. You know what I mean? Now, Atlanta didn't want to take Tobias Harris in those talks as I had, uh, you know, reported on Hoopsite. They had a brief discussion where John Collins, Boyan Bogdan, I'm sorry, Bogdan Bogdanovich and yeah. uh, Danilo Gallinari would have been going to Philly for Ben Simmons and Tobias Harris, uh, you know, as the majority framework, but Atlanta didn't want to do that. So I think ultimately I agree with Mark Stein where it seems like you would think John Collins is staying um, given the recent success that Atlanta has had. Um, and and I think a lot of, I will say this, a lot of teams around the league love John Collins and his versatility. The fact that he could shoot three, um, and is a highly efficient scorer, you know, speaks to teams. I think he's uh, a better rebounder than he's, he's he's been a little bit this year. And on other teams, those numbers would go up and he'd be more of a, a focal point in the offense. But um, for now, I think uh, I think he stays unless Atlanta can get a, an all-star caliber guy in return. We talked about the Pacers briefly. Uh, Sabonis and Turner, obviously the two that people are kind of circling. They want to see what happens with those two. Um, you know, could be two of the biggest players that are moved, uh, as we talked about. Who are some teams that are being linked to Miles Turner and to Sabonis? And, you know, what's the likelihood that one or both of those guys get moved? You know, when it comes to Miles Turner, I mean, it depends because certain teams were more interested before he got hurt than others fell back. I always thought that the Charlotte Hornets would make a great fit for Miles Turner. They need his shot blocking ability, and, and he'd be a really good pick and roll guy, pick and pop guy with LaMelo. Um, I think they could certainly use him. I just don't know if they have the assets that uh, Indiana is looking for. Um, I, you know, really more for, for a guy like Sabonis, I would say, I mean, obviously Washington, but I, I think, you know, it, you gotta, he's the type of guy that I could see a dark horse team kind of coming out of nowhere and, and going all in. Like, um, I don't want to like throw teams out there. Maybe like not. a Sacramento. I think they've been mentioned as a possibility. Well, they, but... well, well, I thought for Sacramento, they had all the assets to get him. You know, yeah. I, what did they want? Like a Nikola Vucevic type of package. They've got the assets to get that done. And to me, they have the desperation factor of a team that's one trying not to miss the playoffs again and set the record. Um, but also they just need, uh, uh, they need a, a, a high caliber big. They haven't had a guy like if they acquired DeMontis Sabonis, they haven't had a guy like that since Chris Weber, an all-star big like that really, that could really make a difference for them um, at that position. So, yeah, I, I just think it comes down to Indiana trying to squeeze teams just like Orlando did with Nikola Vucevic uh, a year ago. I think it's really the same scenarios I outlined earlier. 
you talked about uh, the Toronto Raptors. For Hoops Hype, you wrote an article about how the Raptors are pursuing a number of centers. Uh, they've shown interest in Jakob Pertl, Miles Turner, Robert Williams, Nicholas Claxton, Yusuf Nurkic. Now, you know, some of those players are more available than others, obviously, but it's interesting that Toronto is looking for, uh, you know, a big man. Uh, do you think we're going to see them pull off a move? Because it seems like they're kind of being a buyer right now. They've been linked to a number of different veteran players. You know, what are you expecting from the Raptors? I would certainly categorize the Toronto Raptors as buyers. I really am keeping my eye with them on Jakob Podol, um, because I think ultimately um, he's a guy that would help them in terms of his uh, ability defensively. He doesn't need the ball a ton. Um, he would mesh well with that team. And they had him before. They knew the type of guy he could be um, once he departed from there. And I, I think that if they can figure out kind of what type of first round pick uh, San Antonio would want. You know, I'm sure Toronto's going to want to put some protections on it, but if they can maybe find a middle ground there, they've got some young pieces that maybe they can add to it as well. I think to me, they're a really interesting contender um, for him. I know, I think, I think it was Mark Stein that mentioned Chicago for them. Sure. I think a team like Chicago could use um, Jakob Podol as a backup, but I don't think they have as much of the assets and the need um, as Toronto does, you know, we're starting to see a little bit more now teams trying to get more of a traditional center. And that's kind of what uh, Jakob would remind me of uh, in that regard. The Wizards, as we mentioned, are interesting too. not only the Bradley Beal situation. And I mean, everyone's obviously keeping an eye on that to see if he could become available or if he's going to leave in the offseason. But Montrezl Harrell, Thomas Bryant, Spencer Dinwiddie, who it seems like there's some behind the scenes drama there. I know Kevin O'Connor reported that, you know, Players don't really want him there anymore. Dinwiddie even came out and said that uh, his leadership wasn't welcomed, which I thought was a very interesting quote. There's definitely tension there. What do you sure. make of this situation? And, and uh, do you think they could be a team that really blows it up in the next few days? I'd love to know what happens from the start of the season to now, because the Wizards in the beginning of the year were rolling. And, um, you know, I, I just think that uh, it's been a little surprising to see yeah. how much they've kind of, spiraled a little bit behind the scenes. I think the issue is you've got a lot of similar, similar guys. You now have three centers and and Daniel Gafford, Thomas Bryan, and Montrezl Harrell. Um, They're a little loaded at the front court. uh, Also with Kyle Kuzma. Um, I think, I think Kyle Kuzma has actually been pretty, pretty good for them. Yeah. And um, you know, when you look at the backcourt, Bradley Beal wanted Spencer Dinwoody. And it it hasn't come to fruition. And now, you know, uh, you hear these reports about, you know, like behind the scenes in the locker room. And when Spence had that video interview, um, you know, where, where he was saying that his leadership wasn't welcomed, um, my my reaction was, uh, damn, okay. I mean, we're just going to put it out there. So, um, you know, I think Spencer is still working his way back from his injury. Um, and it's it's been a little bit uh, frustrating for him in that regard. Um, but, boy, to me, it's like I don't I don't know. I don't know if Jeremy Grant would move the needle for them, but obviously if they got DeMontis Sabonis, I really think that that would move the needle for him. And if I'm Washington, Denny Advia, Rui Hachimura, picks, and then fill the salary, whether you got to use one of the centers or KCP, Contavious Caldwell Pope, have at it. I'd do it. Yeah, it's so interesting because I do think they're looking to, you know, make some kind of splashy move that could potentially 
keep Bradley Beal happy this offseason. Dinwiddie may be the hardest player to gauge as far as his trade value. We did a series of articles where we examined possible trades for different players that have popped up in rumors. And you look at Dinwiddie, you know, a year or two ago, he was someone that was looked at as this amazing asset. Now he's about to be 29 years old. He's shooting 37% from the field and 31% from three. Obviously, he hasn't been the same player since the injury. He has the big contract. Uh, you know, it, he went from a really interesting asset to now it's going to be pretty hard for Washington to move him and get something significant back for him. I think when you kind of look at different situations around the league that makes sense. So I'm curious to see what Washington does because they have a number of players that have been popping up in rumors. It seems like they're considering everything. They're one of those teams that could be a buyer or a seller, uh, or they could make, you know, buyer type, a buyer type move and some seller type moves. So I'm really curious to see what they do, but um, I, I definitely, they don't make a move at all. I would be. Yeah. What did we do this for, for like a month? <laughs> right. Yeah. Well said. Uh, yeah. I think they're, they're definitely gonna do something. So I'm curious to see what that is. Uh, one player that has been mentioned a lot too is Eric Gordon. Uh, I think he's very interesting because he's been shooting the ball extremely well, you know, career highs from the field and from three, he's actually playing really good defense too, which has been really impressive. He's been a great leader for this young Rockets team. And I think, uh, I, I was talking to uh, some people earlier uh, in Houston and they were basically saying that, you know, they're basically having to gauge, is he more valuable to us as a trade chip that can bring in some assets or is he more valuable helping with the rebuild and leading the young guys and kind of teaching them professionalism and all that? Like, or do you wait till the off season and hope that offers improve? That's kind of what it comes down to. I think a lot of the stuff that's being put out there is to try to help their leverage and get more before the deadline. But what do you, what do you think is going to happen with Eric Gordon? I think anytime you got a guy that's 33 that's injury prone, you better move him while the stock is high. And I don't think Eric Gordon's stock is going to get much hotter than it is right now uh, heading into the offseason. That's my personal opinion. Um, I, yeah, could Eric help them with the rebuild? Like, sure, but not for long. Um, yeah. And I say that because, you know, again, you don't know. He's been injury prone the past few years. Eric Gordon, you know, Alex, Eric Gordon was talked about for the past few years as an albatross contract and now is seen as an asset because of the money that he has coming up. It's not all guaranteed on his contract. You've got to look ahead. It makes him more yeah. desirable. And now, you know, with Levert being off the free uh, off the trade market, Eric Gordon's probably the next best guard that's out there, I think, ahead of Buddy Heald for an immediate upgrade now. Um and so with that in mind, I would look for Houston to move them. I reported that they wanted at least the first round pick. Um, so now I think they can get that. They might have to take some salary back. Um, but, you know, evidently they don't want to do that. I, I really just don't see a scenario where it would benefit them to keep him past the deadline. I think you're going to get the most value now. And you might as well try to cash in those chips while you can if you're uh, you're Houston. He's not going to make a difference in the ultimate standings within the next few years anyway. Could he be – like you can sign guys that are cheaper veteran mentors yeah. while cashing in Eric Gordon now and getting a first-round – if they could get a protected first-round pick for him, I, I would say that's a win for the Houston Rockets. 
Yeah, well said. There was a report earlier. I want to say it was from Matt Moore or someone, but I think they said that Houston is telling teams that they have at least two offers right now of a first round pick for Gordon. And if that's true and they're not jumping at it, I agree with you. It seems pretty foolish. Um, and Alex, I also wouldn't mind the date with like Abigail Ratchford too, but you know, you have two dates on the table, two dates scheduled with her uh, coming up. Uh, I'm curious. So We've heard the Phoenix Suns, the New Orleans Pelicans. There's been a few teams that have been linked to Eric Gordon. And the Cavaliers are being talked about. But now, obviously, after the Karis LeVert move, it seems like that's off the table. Um, are there any other teams that have been mentioned for Gordon? And, you know, what team do you think uh, makes the most sense as a landing spot for him? You know, Cleveland was a team that did a lot of due diligence on Eric Gordon. I certainly thought that if they couldn't get LeVert, I thought maybe they could circle back on that, even though Cleveland wasn't inclined to give up the first round pick for him as they did with Karis LeVert. Um, I'm curious if a team like Utah kind of comes out and, and goes for a guy like Gordon. Um, you know, Utah in a similar position to Cleveland has a first round pick, has a guy on an expiring contract and is looking for an immediate upgrade now. Usually, you know, if you just kind of connect the dots, I would think that that would make sense for them. Um, you know, Utah had certainly looked at Harrison Barnes still somewhat, but without being able to flip Ingles now, I don't think they're going to move Bogdanovich, Boyan Bogdanovich, that is. So to me, I would think a team, any team that's looking to get off a first round pick of any kind, some may say that could be a little much for Gordon given his injury history, but if you're a team like Utah that's kind of really inclined to get over the hump where they've been with this core, I could see it. One last thing on Utah before we move on here. I have one or two more questions. Uh, Brian Winhurst and Tim McMahon came out on their podcast, the Hoop Collective podcast, and said that uh, there's drama brewing again between Gobert and Donovan Mitchell, that there's passive aggressiveness and uh, that basically there's – things are not great behind the scenes. I know that had been the case a while ago and apparently that's popped back up. And Winhurst basically said, if this was the Knicks or the Nets or a big market team, we'd be talking about it on first take and it'd be the, one of the biggest stories in the league because you have two all-stars clashing. But because it's Utah, no one's really talking about it. Do you make anything of that? Or do you think, you know, it's just another kind of phase where, or another like media cycle where it's popping up and then it's going to go away again? Or do you think we could actually see them break up this core at some point? I paid no attention really to it this season with Donovan Mitchell and Rudy Gobert, any, any reporting of a spat between them because it's already happened before and been well-documented. And I think really it's going to be interesting to see what happens this playoff run for the Utah Jazz. I think after this playoff run, you can say to yourself, okay, we've had a number of runs here where Donovan Mitchell has been more than an all-star. He's been kind of a star in the playoffs, uh, you know, and Rudy Gobert has been limited a little bit um, and, and defenses uh, teams are able to better expose Utah in the playoffs. So I think after the season, depending on where they finish, then maybe you could start to ponder whether there could be uh, a change of the guard with, with Utah in terms of um, their core. Now, we haven't talked about the Lakers yet. I have to ask about them. Or I'm going to have a lot of people angry uh, in my mentions here. Obviously, things are really ugly. Russell Westbrook's struggling. He's getting benched. Uh, the team is not living up to expectations. What can they do? Are, are, do they have any kind of options? Any kind, I mean, they don't have tons of assets. What, what are the Lakers going to do? 
I think, first of all, it is what it is. I popped in on Lakers spaces. Russell Westbrook, I don't really see getting traded right now um, unless they're taking back a contract that is really not uh, ideal. I think Russell Westbrook's going to end up staying. And then I look at, you asked me what they can do. Well, they've dangled Taylor Horton Tucker, Kendrick Nunn, who hasn't played yet this year, uh, which has really hurt them both for his trade value and his uh, just helping the team in general. So yeah. you've got THT, Kendrick Nunn, and a future first-round pick. That's been dangled out there, and we're still here. So something could change before the deadline, but that's what they have to uh, dangle out there on the market is trade bait. So we'll see uh, what that nets, but I, I don't think uh, I don't think it's good enough to get Jeremy Grant. Uh, mm-hmm. and, and I don't know – I don't really see like another star coming there for, for that type of stuff. So uh, I think really you got to keep an eye on the Lakers, maybe more for the buyout market, um, you know, and, and see them who they can get after. And if they uh, get rid of some guys on the back end of that roster to open up spots. Great transition. Cause my last question for you was about the buyout market. Are there any players that you think could become available? I think, I mean, John Wall has been talked about, but it sounds like he's not going to leave any of that money on the table as he should. You know, I think he should get every penny of that. I don't blame I him for, for saying, <laughs> right. I don't blame him for saying, hey, pay me every single penny. Uh, Thaddeus Young has been talked about, I think, in San Antonio. He came on my podcast earlier this year and talked about his frustration with the role there. And just, you know, he understands they have to play the young guys, but I know he wants to compete and, and you know, I know teams like Phoenix have been linked to him uh, a bit. So who are some buyout candidates that could pop up? Obviously we'll see what happens with the trade deadline first, but are there anyone that you kind of have circled? In my opinion, I think you should look at like the Sacramento Kings with Tristan Thompson because he hasn't played a ton and he'd be a good veteran uh, guy with championship experience and a great rebounder. to look at teams. What I would say on the buyout market is, Circle back with me after the uh, trade deadline, because I think there's a lot of candidates out there. People have talked about them, but they've gotten some minutes now, and um, I I could see them potentially being moved. So, But with that said, um, the one guy that stuck out to me when I thought about uh, your question was Tristan Thompson as a guy that I would keep an eye on for the Sacramento Kings. That's a good one. Maybe Paul Millsap too, just because they've already, you know, put his name out there as trade bait. Uh, and they've said they want a shooter and stuff like that. But if he doesn't get moved, I could see them potentially moving on from him and letting him go to a better situation. You know, Alex, I got to say real quick on Paul Millsap. I was very surprised that uh, James Johnson has been playing ahead of Paul Millsap this year in Brooklyn. And I thought um, when Paul came there, that boy, even though he's a little older, I thought Paul could give them a good 15 minutes a game off the bench. I'm very surprised that it hasn't worked out. And I, I think he's certainly uh, been disappointed with that. So that's a good point by you. Um, you know, sometimes you forget the things that are right in front of you, uh, somebody that's here in Brooklyn. But, you know, it's funny. He, you know, it's not really around. So, yeah, kind of slipped my mind. But excellent call uh, on you with him. Uh, it'll be interesting to see if they can find something for him, you know, another marginal back-end guy for him or something um, by the end of uh, Thursday. Yeah, we shall see. Uh, are there any other players or teams that we haven't mentioned that, you know, you feel like we should, that you're hearing things about or that we should be keeping an eye on? I know we covered a lot, but is there anyone that we missed that you think we should mention? Mm. Uh, you know, I guess we didn't talk a ton about the Celtics. I really think Dennis Schroeder um, is going to get moved before Thursday um, for them to continue to save on a luxury tax. And they don't really have a, a ton to pay him to bring him back. Um, and he, and he's played, he's, he's played decently well this year for them. 
So I, I would look for that. That would be the one thing that stuck out to me. That's a good one. Everyone, make sure you're following Mike on Twitter at Mike A. Scotto. Make sure you read all of his work at Hoopsite. Like I said, not only just the breaking news, but also a fantastic job on the long forms, the interviews. Make sure you listen to his podcast, the Hoopsite podcast. Uh, the new host is much better than the old host, by the way. I have to say that. Uh, it's, a, it's a huge, huge upgrade. Uh, the old guy... He was awful. Hate his voice. Uh, You do do a fantastic job with it. Uh, I'm glad that you took the reins uh, and it's in good hands. That makes me happy. It was my baby for a long time. So I'm glad that you have it. But uh, keep keep a great work, man. And make sure everyone's following uh, Mike A. Scotto on Twitter. Appreciate it, brother. I'm enjoying seeing you start the brand at at basketballnews.com and with the guys, some of the guys I've worked with too, like Spencer Davies. So um, appreciate you having me on. It's always fun. you know, most people don't know we're up pretty late recording this uh, past midnight on uh, East Coast time. Technically now Monday morning, but uh, a lot of fun as always, brother. For sure. It should be a uh, fun next four days. Uh, I'm sure everyone's going to be reading Hoops Hype nonstop. That rumors page comes in clutch during this time of year. So everyone, make sure you guys check out Hoops Hype. Check out Hoops Hype podcast and check out Mike's work. That's a fantastic job. And if you guys want to hear more episodes of this podcast, check us out on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, anywhere you listen to your podcasts. And until next time, thanks for listening.